Have you ever stood before a watchmaker and had the same feeling as in a dentist? Well, I certainly did so. And today we're going to be talking about five things that make your watchmaker angry, alongside with my good friend Diogo. Diogo Zidere is a, one of the best watchmakers around in Portugal. He owns a family-owned store in the downtown area of Lisbon, alongside with his father, a master watchmaker. And honestly, I just wanted to invite him to talk about these topics because I think he's one of the most transparent, honest, and just straight to the point guys around. And he's actually a super great guy. And I just wanted him to be in the podcast to explain you guys what sometimes we don't really get entering a watchmaker store. And let's just like cut the crap and jump right into it. This is the Daily Cast. No finesse, just your fix on finance, watches, crypto, and savings. Keep up to date with the Daily Cast podcast and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Well, first of all, I want to say welcome, Diogo, to the Daily Cast podcast. Uh, thank you. I, I thank you. I thank you for accepting the invitation to join us today about this, this topic. <laughs> Uh, do you wanna do you wanna do you wanna start uh, with with your topics? Uh, yeah. So um, today I I'm joining Diogo. So yeah. First of all, just to add a little bit of um, you know the coincidence, we have the same name. Yeah, Diogo times two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and I just want to share my thoughts and opinions about a fun topic, which is uh, very commonly asked, which is uh, five types of people that make your watchmaker angry. I think angry is a bit of a, an aggressive word, but, you know, <laughs> it's a nice topic to talk about it. Yeah, and yeah. even though I'm a very open-minded watchmaker, uh, I'm not a full purist one. I, I know exactly how watchmakers feel in general about these people. So, so yeah, let's, 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 let's jump right into it. Let, yeah. let's, see, let's see your first topic. Let's <clears> go. I'm quite, quite anxious and, and curious to know what, what's your first topic. Let's go. So, um... So the first topic, in this case, the first type of people that yeah. I, I'd like to address is trendy watches fans. Um, <laughs> Let's go. I, I'm quite curious. And I'm super curious. So I think this topic is not just dedicated to watchmakers, but it can very well be applied to them. So watchmakers in general, they are very purist. Therefore, they are not easy people to discuss this topic with because many of them are not familiar with the commercial aspect of certain models. So um, it's actually very common for a watchmaker to disregard historic value, rarity, etc. just because a popular watch is, uh, let's say, simple or simple looking, you know? Okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, however, some watchmakers are well aware of the commercial value of the trendy watches. And because of that, it's very hard for them to, to like these watches. Um, it's, a typical, it's the typical situation where they use the quote, uh, with that amount of money, I'd buy this or that. To me, it's a yeah. no-brainer, really, <laughs> you know. Um, but now, there are trendy watches, and then there's people who like them. And then there's another group, which is people who blindly love and defend these trendy watches at all costs, without proper knowledge. So 
You say one bad word about them, and they get super angry and start yeah, super defensive. Yeah, exactly. Super defensive about they it. start spitting a bunch of statistics and facts they read on the internet without any proper arguments. It's a bit like the typical Apple versus Samsung discussion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, since nowadays we are living in a, you know an era where simple stainless steel watches. Can cost as much as a complicated gold watch.、Uh, you know, many watchmakers might find that shocking. Now, imagine. Yeah, and I, and I think that helps people asking,、uh, not people like personally and、uh, majorly watchmakers,、mm-hmm. uh, and, and generally people ask, well, I could I could I could buy this instead with that amount of money. But I think like when it, when it, when a person gets too defensive, I think most times. And I'm speaking、uh, from a,、um, an enthusiast point of view. I know that you're an enthusiast as well,、mm-hmm. but I think most people actually get so get so into a certain watch or brand, or, or, or are so proud of owning a certain watch that they they don't really want to be honest and transparent about what they really own, you know. And I think the,、yeah. the it's I think it's the、um, the main problem on it is just. Most times, actually, only knowing certain brands, and when a person says, "Okay, but you,、uh, you, you bought a Rolex, and you could have bought like a vintage Patek for less," and but people don't、exactly. really understand the value. And sometimes, when people mix vintage with new, it's 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 difficult. And I think most times, but most like generally, it's usually people, in my opinion, of course, that don't really know more about other brands, and they are just、mm-hmm. get really defensive about it. But, I'll let you. I'll let you just continue. Go, go. No,、ahead. no. I, I totally understand what you say. I mean,、uh, personally,、uh, you know me <laughs> for a long time, so、yeah. I'm that kind of guy that、um, if I like a certain watch, nothing's perfect. Okay, nothing's、yeah. perfect. <laughs> you know, there are so many watches that I look and say, "Oh man, I wish I had this one," but then the buckle is too big for my small wrist. And then I put it, on, I place it on my wrist, and I say, "Wow, I hate it." <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, it can be something simple or something more technical. But in this case, regarding this topic,、uh, just imagine, imagine having a conversation between a watchmaker and one of these hardcore fans yeah, of trendy watches. I don't need、yeah. to say anything else. You get the picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah.、Uh, Now going to、um, my second uh, choice, uh,、okay. this one will involve、um, two、uh, different types of people or clients or whatever you want to call it,、okay. which is、uh, complicated watches clients. <laughs> okay. So yeah,、uh, this topic to me is very interesting, and why?、Um, I, in my、uh, in my job, I work with. A ton of different people, and、uh, we've, you know, I just want to give you guys a little bit of context first. So,、um, the, in this watchmaking market, like almost every other one, it can be separated into. So you have the brand new and the secondhand watch market. Usually, in the secondhand market, you can get a better deal、uh, since the product has already depreciated the most it ever will. But complicated watches have one main thing in common, whether they are secondhand or not, which is the high price tag. You know. Yeah. And、um, but I'm not here to talk about the buying process. I'm here to talk about the watchmaker's point of view when they come to us, whether it's to repair the watches or just to talk about them. Okay. So.、Um, 
Fortunately, from a, a young age, I've been in contact with many high-end complicated watches and I got to know the owners and talk to them about their picks, things they value, you know, stuff like that. And, and it's funny because um, when you check the type of client and analyze the extreme opposites, it's so funny because you either, um, there's either people that treat these pieces of art, you know, as mm -hmm. if they were sports watches, Or yeah. you have people who want the full Swiss uh, package, you know, precision, functionality, reliability, that in some cases you can't get. So um, in both situations, they come to us for answers. And that's what I want to share today. So um, the first type of client that I mentioned, they are mostly the brand new watch clients. So when they go to the watch dealer, uh, they don't tell the salesman what they want it for. They look at a, you know, beautiful, exclusive, expensive with the in, uh, name of a big brand watch. And then the salesman, the salesman does its magic and sells it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> with this price tag, the salesman uh, want their commission and don't really care what kind of use the customers are going to give the watch. Yeah, so it's like, oh, I just you want know? to watch you swim. A pretty watch from a big brand that sure. I can swim with. And it's, no, 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 here's a paddock turbinal. Yeah, I it's mean. perfect. I work for NASA. Water resistant. I work for NASA. I want something that can hold the pressure and all that. But I really like this extra thin watch. You know if it works? <laughs> yeah, mate, mate. Exactly, that's the perfect watch for you. So they just want to sell it. And if there's a problem, they will send it to the brand's after-sales department aka watchmakers yep. to solve the problems and that means me yeah. so um, this type of client can make some watchmakers angry uh, because these products require a more delicate use despite looking big and robust you know um, yeah but and I, and I think it starts from there like the, they don't get enough information, I'm talking from a client's perspective and point of view, that I, I, I believe they do not get enough information for them to maintain and to know what to maintain. That's why you have watches. a salesman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but still, like, mo most times, and I, I know that you're going to talk about it, most times uh, we, we, we find people using certain kind of complications and not, not knowing enough about how to maintain it mm -hmm. or how to, how to send it to service or even how to... Um, respect how the watch should be maintained and mm -hmm. kept you know but like just just let's move on and continue please <laughs> yeah so uh well nowadays there are brands that focus more on making complicated watches with sporty characteristics uh, of course by saying this everybody knows which brand i'm talking about yeah uh, and that allows clients to use them more freely but still you can't be careless like these clients are so this is one type of client that might make watchmakers angry because even though it's okay people pay for servicing and stuff like that um it's very heartbreaking for a watchmaker to see watches you know ruined like that just because someone or didn't get the didn't get the information the right information or just didn't care because you know i have money i can afford this so yeah do it uh and i'll give you a uh an example so okay. we received a classic perpetual calendar chronograph for servicing 
a very expensive watch. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, despite being uh, kind of obvious, the client uh, was not told that those watches are not meant to go underwater. Oh, so perfect. <laughs> he was just told that he should be careful because the leather strap would get wet and therefore <laughs> ruined. <laughs> so, so, oh my. so this guy went online and bought a rubber strap and changed it. So what happened was that he just... Perfect fix. Perfect like, fix. Simple, you know? It was a lot more simple than uh, people uh, told him. So basically, <laughs> he went on a boat trip. He jumped out of his boat and swam with it. Oh well, it doesn't take a genius to know what came next. Yeah. Uh, water got inside the movement. Many pieces were broken due to the impact of his, ha- of his arm against the water when he swam. The dial was beyond saving etc etc and just so you know in order to avoid these sort of situations some brands even stop selling certain complicated watches to people from certain countries just a fun fact here well i didn't knew that yes i didn't know. mainly but, 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 chinese but, but like generally this these clients that you have with this kind of work that you have to do this kind of work that you have to do with with the watch itself do they understand the price that you charge because that's that's one of my questions like mm-hmm. because most times like people uh, have an hard time understanding uh, the 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 valorization of of your services and mm-hmm. the actual price it takes to actually maintain the watch and and to actually recover the watch you know do, do, do you think, uh, do you usually get people uh, that understand this kind of, uh, this kind of expenses and why that, did that happen? If that was like, because I, I have a feeling that most people actually think that was the, that the reason for their watch to be in that way is because of a malfunction or a poor quality control on the brands. What's, what's your take on it? Um, first of all, um, it really depends on the type of client. So we have clients that have, for example, 500 uh, automatic mechanical watches that every three, four years, they are really worried that they need a servicing because they want to keep it perfectly. And then you have people that have, you know, I'll say, I'll just say the brand because it's easier. The Rolex owners. Uh, that, you know, they come to us very proudly, you know, and say, uh, you know, I've had this Rolex for almost 40 years without servicing and it runs perfectly. So this is a a topic that I could discuss all day, you know, but I'm not here to trash talk about this client. So what I want to say is that when it comes to our job, uh, besides being watchmakers, we have to almost educate clients and, and we have to explain them instead of just saying, mate, you have a really expensive watch, you have to pay for servicing. I don't think that's how it works. I don't think, I think that's not how you should treat clients. You should inform them, what do you do? You know, just show them. And fortunately, we are, you know, a watchmaking shop and we explain people exactly what we do. We show them pictures before and after. And most people, it's... I mean, I got impressed. I thought that people would, would say something like, oh yeah, that's not necessary. But after you show them pictures or after you show them a, a watch fully disassembled, they they understand. They totally, totally understand. And they just say, oh, really, you do all this just for this amount of money? Oh, please nice. go on, you know? And yeah, that's, uh, fortunately it happens a lot of time and that's nice. And that's, that's nice. obviously nice. So, uh, moving on, uh, 
<clears throat> then uh, there's another type of client uh, I mentioned in this complicated uh, watch theme. Uh, so these clients are full-on watchmaking admirers, and that <laughs> comes with a price, <laughs> a really, really heavy price. So these people are both brand new and second-hand uh, watch clients. So on one hand, for watchmakers, these people are amazing to chat with because they study so much the brands they like, the movements, the history, they have access to trips to the brand's factories. They are wonderful watch enthusiasts. I really do get amazed how, how much people, how much these people know about the watchmaking industry and how much they love it. On the other hand, <laughs> on the other hand, sometimes it can be a bit, a bit, a bit boring too, actually. Not boring, but uh, they are the most demanding type of clients out there and they are the hardest to deal with. And I'm talking about people who spend the day checking the seconds hand and take note of how many seconds it varies each hour. They stay awake at night just to check if the calendars change simultaneously. They check all the sounds the watch makes. You know, the full-on yeah. watch I addicts. Heard, I, I heard about that compulsive disease. Like, <laughs> I, I was like that. I was like that in a while, but like... But like, you know, but you know... <laughs> But I mean, yeah, I, I know the I know the feeling. I, I I went through it, but now gladly I'm a bit better. But I totally understand. I totally understand both both, both perspectives. Yeah, but I mean, keep... I love watches, but after all, it's a watch, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's different. But the main issue with these people is that um, they want a product with certain performance aspects. They are very hard, not to say impossible, to get in a product like that. Uh, do you know what I mean? Um, so, uh, well, but, but you think that applies more to the to the new watches or more to the vintage watches? I mean, because I th I believe like most people, and I get I don't I don't really get people asking me, uh, like where, when when you're trying to sell a vintage watch, mm -hmm. and and I, and I almost am sure that it, it happens to you as well. Is with vintage watches, they demand that this watch has to be waterproof, has to be perfectly running, and and sometimes it's they have to understand that sometimes they're buying watches with 60 years mm -hmm. and 70 years and well they, they were built to it last a certain amount of time of course with servicing and all that i'm not i'm not an expert as, as you are but i believe like like they were built to withstand a certain amount of time in a, in, a, in an era that mm -hmm. that had a certain limits to the capability of uh, producing watches in a certain way mm -hmm. and i think like it, with the demand and uh, the quality control we have today on 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 nowadays watches i think it's easy to okay but I, I, why isn't this vintage watch as good in terms of quality as my new one if they are from the same brand you know and i think that's a misconception mm -hmm. of, of the topic itself uh and i think most people actually and i'm sure you had, you had this before happening to you mm -hmm. and but what what's your take on it um so um honestly this is a topic we could explore um in the future because yeah. um, vintage watches and more recent watches are a completely they are completely different products okay even if we're talking about the same brand it's yeah. it's a whole different thing it involves so many technical things we could discuss now um, personally I think that um, when it comes to these certain characteristics like um, waterproofness and stuff like that mm -hmm. people need to understand what it is 
okay for example in waterproofness people need to understand that waterproofness is not a characteristic it's not forever it's a state it's as yep. simple as also do. you buy a brand new watch for example a rolex now that there's this craziness about rolex mm -hmm. it's brand new it's waterproof right you unscrew the crown you dive water gets in you feel me like yeah as simple as this it's a state the watch is waterproof when everything is put together the metal is not damaged the joints are perfect so it's a very com uh, complicated theme um so what's my take on on um people's perception when it comes to the watch estate and what they can do what they can't do that's a it's a very technical theme and topic we could uh, discuss uh, in the near future well it's noted it's noted we'll certainly do that yeah because because i could spend all day talking about it and i really like to uh, because there are some uh, watch myths you know regarding yeah. the technical part of the uh, watchmaking industry that we could discuss. But here, uh, personally, what I'm talking about here is more recent watches. And when it comes to complicated watches, it doesn't really matter if they are old or vintage or more recent because a complicated watch is not a watch you wear every day. Even if, some, even if someone tells you, oh yeah, I wear this every day, unless you have a Richard Mill or some Audemars complicated mm -hmm. one a sports you know sports watch it's very versatile and you can wear it every day mm -hmm. otherwise people will not wear these complicated watches first of all i mean they just won't most of them are very classic they are very yeah. heavy because they are limited editions in platinum in most cases are 45 millimeters 40 something and they are very heavy and no they are not meant for daily use so even if you have a vintage watch like that you want to preserve it. And the people who can afford this type of watch, they will service them. They will take care of them in most cases. Like, mm -hmm. But uh, in this case, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a more recent watches um, because it's something that happens uh, very often. And these clients actually exist. And, you know, I just wanted to share. But uh, I think in the near future, we could talk about that topic, difference between vintage watches new watches and how to take care of them and all that yeah, sure but here it's mainly um as i was saying i'm not saying complicated watches can't uh, can't perform well they do but not like a simple watch without any complications would it's almost like wanting a ferrari to have the same fuel consumption as a car with a fifth of its power you know yeah um does it run yes does it go from a to B, yeah, but you know, there are certain aspects that you will have to sacrifice. And the most common problem is the accuracy. And that's the topic I want to explore here. So, okay. first of all, what I'm about to say isn't uh, about every brand, um, but it happens with most of them. So complicated watches have certain limitations. And of course, due to commercial reasons, brands do not share this information. To make it simple, um, the more complicated the watch is, the bigger the margin for error, you know? Okay. So once again, I'm not saying the complicated watches don't perform well, far from it. 
I'm just saying that brands don't don't want to have a ton of work making it perform perfectly because they have their own parameters to defend themselves with. So when clients like this, uh, this niche segment, uh, they come, when they come up, brands only inform them uh, about this when they have a problem and, you know, they do it the wrong way. So the process goes a bit like this. The client buys a brand new watch, goes home, notices that the watch doesn't work the way he wanted, uh, goes to the dealer and wants them to send it to the after-sales department. The watch comes back, eternities later, <laughs> and the, uh, the customer is informed that the product is within the quality parameters of the brand and there is nothing they can do uh, about it. And since the warranty of the watch does nothing to make it perform as they want, they come to independent watchmakers like us to solve the problem. Okay. And, and then that's when we have the conversation about everything I mentioned before. So all this to say that this conversation or these type of people might make watchmakers angry uh, because there are too many things that they can't accept as the truth even after explaining everything to them. And it's not the watchmaker's fault. So... <laughs> So yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. If <laughs> but I, th I, I think you actually, I think you actually do a good job on having the patience to actually explain and and uh, go forward with all these steps mm -hmm. on explaining how, how it works and showing the after, the before and after pictures because that helps a lot. And actually taking the patience to sometimes explain mm -hmm. because I, I, like doing this uh, maybe hundreds of times per year, it's not it's not uh, it's not particularly uh, an easy task, you know. And I know that like. Most people are quite, um, they don't really want to accept mm -hmm. what people are saying to them. And well, I, I just, I give you, I give you like uh, my, my, my respect, <laughs> let's say it is, for, 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 for doing that, actually. That's, that's, that's the thing I do respect a lot. I mean, it's part of my job, you know, um, this, um, this magic world of watchmaking um, needs more technical explanation. You know, it's not just showing a watch is very fancy and does this and that, you know. You really have to, you know, take the time to explain people. Because, and if you really like watchmaking, if you really like these watches, and especially in this case, complicated watches, you'll find the time, you'll find the patience to talk to these people. Yeah. After all, there are watch enthusiasts like ourselves, you know. So it becomes a lot easier. And, you know, I, I find it challenging, really. But, yeah. Well, let's. What's what's your next topic? After all this, I'm even more curious to know what's what, what's the following. So I I have two more topics to discuss. Uh, these okay, two uh, these two are really close to my heart um, because it's something. Even though I'm a very open-minded watchmaker, as I said mm -hmm. before, uh, these really make me angry. Genuinely, yeah, make me angry. It gets on your nerves. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, this topic I'm going to talk about is called the spot the fake watch disease. <laughs> okay. So, as you all know, um, uh, I mean, to begin with, I just want to point something out, please. Whether you are a watch enthusiast or you just like to have a nice watch, it doesn't matter if you can't afford an expensive one. Buy something you can afford, something you like, something that suits you. Don't buy a replica. I know there are some good replicas out there and that it's very tempting since it looks exactly like the real one, but don't do it, guys. Maybe you... Well, 
the first thing you're actually doing when you're actually buying a fake, in my opinion, is actually lying to yourself. You know, exactly. You know? Like you, you, you're only fooling yourself. And I bet most people when buy a fake watch, when they buy a when they buy a fake watch, they mm -hmm. always have this feeling on their head, like who? Well, this guy is a watchmaker. I mean, will they will he be able to spot a fake? Or even like this guy is a major watch enthusiast. Yeah. It, will he able to be to be, be able to ex actually spot the fake? Like the, the, you always get this feeling. It's not worth it actually. And well, I'm, just continue. Just continue. No, first of all, all I really wanted to say is that maybe you can't afford a real one today, but someday you will, and use that as a motivation to work harder instead. Exactly. So. What is this disease I was talking about? So people come to us with fake watches to get them repaired, to sell them, or just to check if they are real or not very frequently. It's, it's normal. In our case, it's uh, the policy of the house not to intervene in any way in a counterfeit watch. So we are happy to help anyone with doubts regarding this issue. But who are these people? Well, uh, these people come to us with a fake watch knowing it's fake. They tell us it's an original one, and they ask us if we are interested on in buying them, for example. Uh, and this usually happens with certain watches that, on the outside, they are very hard to tell they're fake, mainly because uh, the chosen models have a simplistic design that yep. makes it almost impossible to spot differences to the untrained eye, especially just by looking from afar on someone's wrist, you know? So even an experienced watchmaker has to check closely for certain details to make sure it's not real. And as we deny their claims, as we deny the client's claims, um, mm -hmm. they get super angry to the point of sometimes being very unpleasant, aggressive, and they start arguing with us. And there are factors that make things even worse, like trying to argue with these people who just want to prove a stupid point, which is... Uh, it doesn't matter, like you said, it doesn't matter if it's fake as long as nobody notices, not even a watchmaker, so it's worth not to buy the real one, you know? And, yeah. and those people will only stop being unpleasant and wasting your time uh, if you start firing things you've spotted right away about the watch. And as I said before, sometimes it's very, very hard to do so. And another issue is, unfortunately... Uh, some watchmakers haven't worked or haven't even seen the original models. So it's almost impossible for them to give a reliable answer. So in these cases, the clients will just say it's real and feel happy about it. And in a very optimistic scenario, fortunately, it's what happens every time uh, where I work. Uh, if you eventually succeed proving it's fake, they will say... Oh, I know it's a replica, but it's a good one, isn't it? And then they laugh oh, and go away, you know? So... Uh, that, 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 that must be fun. That must be fun. I mean, I, to me, it's not fun because these people are a complete yeah, well, of waste course. of time. It's nonsense, yeah. really. I mean, if you want to do something about it, call me, you know? <laughs> you know, just call me, you know? I paid 100 euros for this. Is this real? Is this like a one-in-a-lifetime deal? And I will say no. Because even a, someone dumb will understand that a, a good watch will not, will not, cannot be purchased by that amount of money. So yeah. all this to say that they make watchmakers really, really angry. 
Well, someone someone once said to me, like, if the if if it seems too good to be true, it's because it's not exactly right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and with watches, that's that's the thing. Like, especially now with current twenty four, uh, it's 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 super it's super easy for people to actually to actually know that and um, to actually know how, how the watches are worth and even compare the watches. But how sneaky it is to. To come to a watchmaker with a fake watch because that, that happened to me before mm-hmm. and it, it's it's amazing how people justify uh, and most times you, you 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 well you know you have you, you have the you have a feeling of a gut mm-hmm. but you know that people know perfectly that the watch has a, a decent amount of probability of being fake but they're they're just there to try their luck and just like throwing some bait at you it's 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 fun but it's it's sometimes it's it's difficult to explain people because some people do really do not know especially if it's like from a from an heirloom for example yeah. uh it's difficult to explain people especially when it comes from a, from an older generation and all that it's, it's it's tough to explain but most times what happens with me in my in in, in my in my in, well, in my perspective, not not really in my perspective, but my in, in my occasions mm-hmm. in life, it, it, it's that situation that where people just try to to, to show you the bait. Uh, but well said, and it's 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 a, it's a, it's a very it's a very good topic for you to speak I mean, about. Uh, I mean, let's go. Yeah, I mean, this topic about fake watches to me is simple. I mean, you find me on the street and you ask me, "Hey, Diogo, how are you? Could you tell me if this watch is fake or not?" And I will look at it. And I will say if it's fake or not. And yeah. I'm not that type of watchmaker, you know, like a show off. Uh, first of all, if it's fake, I won't say, come on, man, you have a fake watch. No, I will just say, uh, this is a replica, but it's a nice one. You know, I'll, I will yeah, 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 be yeah. kind to people. Now, yeah. don't try and make a fool out of me just because you have a watch that is... Yeah, just admit it. Yeah, I mean... I'm the first one to say it. If you want me to check if the watch is real, I have to open it. And I'm sorry, I have a ton of work to do. And if you and, and then, of course, sometimes we can judge people and by the look of them. But sometimes people come to us, they don't know anything about watches. And how the hell do you have a watch like that in the first place? You know, you understand what I mean? Yeah. And fortunately, we have tons of work. So it's a total waste of time. If you know it's fake, don't waste your time coming to me to you know check everything just like i said meet me on the street let's have a coffee sometime and ask me give me a a list of reasons why this is fake so i can learn that's a different approach and i will not be mad at you for wanting to learn you know yeah it's it's a humble it's humble it's humble uh question actually it's a it's humble request yeah so um the next topic, the last but not, last but not least, and okay. um, just to conclude this uh, spectacular podcast, uh, it's something once again very close to my heart, and I hope I don't um, people don't don't look at me as a hater for saying this, but I think um, it has to be said. So, which is the watch experts so-called watch experts so (laughs) let's dive in so i personally think that this is the people who make watchmakers angry the most and not myself but watchmakers in general and i could make a whole podcast series about this topic i'm not saying one episode i'm talking about a whole a whole series about this and 
But as today's topic is about the kind of people who make watchmakers angry, I'm going to address the more technical parts of it. You know, so um, as I said before, many watch enthusiasts uh, study everything about the brands, and some even buy movements to try and learn more about how they work. But when it comes to the technical part of watchmaking, um, and Okay, this is me being completely honest. This is not me being like, oh, I'm the watchmaker. I'm the one who works in this, uh, in this uh, industry. No, this is me being completely honest and this is my humble opinion, okay? Um, when it comes to this um, technical part of watchmaking, unless you've studied and worked with these machines for some time, uh, it's hard for you to have a plausible knowledge to talk about any technical stuff. To me, this is pretty obvious. For example, okay. um, many watches clients, they like cars, for example. And the technical, technical information about cars is very, very accessible. So um, you might know, you might look at a car uh, and uh, you might look at uh, an engine bay and, you know, point out, uh, every single uh, part and what its function is but then you can't have this type of argument with the mechanical engineer you know it's obvious it's it's it's, it's his job you know yeah um, but unfortunately many of these watch experts fill the social media platforms with unreliable information People look at them as experts while they make videos, posts, articles, whatever you want to call it, with wrong information, paid information, or no information whatsoever. And with so little selective people when it comes to the information they consume, they look at some guy with a good watch on his hands and think, wow, this really guy, this guy really knows about what he's talking about, without even checking his background, for example. Yeah. I mean... I'm 25 years old, uh, I was born in this watchmaking industry, my father's been a watchmaker forever, I've been working as a watchmaker for almost 9 years, and I get judged because I'm young, and because I'm young, I might not know anything about watches. But then, the same people that judge me, they go to YouTube, for example, and they watch a guy that perhaps is like a lawyer or yeah. something, and then just because he's saying things so um, convincingly, they assume he knows. I mean, come on. Yeah. How do you expect a guy to know so much about watches if he doesn't work in this area, you know? It, it's, it's unbelievable how people trust on, on, on YouTube and, and, and they rely on these platforms. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what goes through people's minds to think that like social media platforms and all that are kind of a more legit way of getting information while they don't even know the person personally. Exactly. Like, like you said, they don't, they don't have their background or then they don't even uh, met the person personally. So that's, that's quite, it's, it's, it's quite unbelievable to actually see it as happening. And I don't want, once again, I don't want to sound like a hater, but some things have to be said. And yeah, so yeah, course. so what I mean about all this is that those who consume all this information, one day they will be watch buyers, if they are not already, you know? And when something goes wrong, they want answers. And when they want those answers, they reach to watchmakers. 
you know. Yeah. So now, imagine imagine a debate between a professional in this area who they need to solve their problem, and someone who speaks with all confidence about the reasons for the watch to have problems, uh, suggests how to fix it, and so on. I mean, it seems almost too really ridiculous to be true, but you'd be shocked with uh, how often these things happen. I mean, people come to us saying, oh, you know, uh, my watch stopped, but um, I know that there's a broken wheel and this broken wheel, it's very easily fixed. You just change the whole wheel <laughs> from this part and, and uh, you can't, you don't have to charge really uh, any money for it because um, it's very simple. And I'm like, who's the watchmaker here? Yeah, I would be like, look, send me your curriculum. I, I, I'll, I'll be, I'll be taking care of buying an extra watchmaker bench, and we'll, we'll just, we'll just fix that. We'll just, like, <laughs> I mean, learn together. I mean, I'm like, I have an empty room there. If you really can't check the pro- the watch's problems without even opening them, you are a genius, mate. It's, it's unbelievable. It? Yeah, you are really a genius. <laughs> so. Uh... <laughs> I have, I have a very specific way of like talking with watchmakers and every single time I'm, I'm like at your store I have a specific way of like just just like stepping down and just okay I need like I'm always ultra humble and the way I speak is like wait I, I think I think there should be a problem in this part because I'm not I'm not really an expert mm-hmm. on calibers or, or mechanisms and I, I usually say in a question like what, what do you think? I think there's a problem in this part, but I could go wrong. I could be wrong, but I, I think that's the, that's the that's the way to speak with with with, with people that are professionally in this in, in, in this business area in, in this area, yeah, but... and that's the way I talk. Like, mm, mm, well, I, I have this opinion, but like, let's let's hear yours because yours is is going to be probably yeah, because more correct than mine. Because and watchmakers can be. Um misunderstood many times and that happens too oftenly really which is if someone asks you what the problem is of course it's always uh, related to uh, paying for a certain service but what happens is let's say you have a a problem that requires a really technical explanation so what happens is there is always a bad scenario Okay, there is never an optimistic scenario here. So okay. if you don't say much, they will say, oh, this guy doesn't, doesn't understand a thing about watchmaking. And if you explain, let's say too much, because in order to explain what happen, the, the, what's, what can go wrong in a watch if this wheel of this part breaks, you need to explain the person uh, what's the importance of all the pieces before it you know, you have to explain so yeah. many things in order for, in order to explain um, why this is such a heavy, da- heavy damage to the watch. And if you say too much, people will just say, "Oh, he's making this up. He's just trying to deceive me." So we're always on a bad spot. But in this case, with this type of people, um, well. I mean, it happens mainly with younger people and okay. it gets more difficult when you meet older people with a more defensive stand. You know, it really, it really is. Well, bad. yeah, 
I understand that uh, taking into consideration that, like for, like you said before, we are both young, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's 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 easy, it's it's not easy to explain to these older people. Not even well, not even young. You have the the kind of trust and and uh, we you have two kinds of ego mm-hmm. egos in these two type of people. You have you have the young guys ego. Which are which don't really rely on on um, well well funded information, and you have these old older people that actually rely on the on their age and the amount of information. And that even they, the they, same they... information, even the same information. Yeah. Nowadays, older people they they we can't forget that um, our parents they consume sometimes they people from the same age as our parents they consume YouTube and other platforms uh, as much mm-hmm. as we do we we have to take that into consideration and one thing is someone like my father discussing this theme with someone young so the young yeah. person looks at my father as someone older than him or her therefore a lot more experienced and might hold back when it's time to engage a discussion. Sometimes when they are clever, <laughs> they might just listen and not say anything. Then they go home and go do some proper research uh, based on what my father said in this case. But then when it's the other way around, uh, like me, for example, it's the same situation, but the but with someone as old as my father and it gets really frustrating because most of them assume that being young equals uh, not yeah, knowing yeah. anything about it but you know it's um, like I said I, I'm going to be to be very brief in, in this topic because there's so many examples so many topics we could address and not just um, the lack of information but mm-hmm. uh, the way people um talk about it it's very very important but you know uh, this topic to me is very very challenging uh, I don't mind it like I said I'm a watch enthusiast and if it's someone who wants to re- if someone really wants to learn I'm happy to, to do to do so yeah so but it sure makes many many watchmakers angry <laughs> well Diogo we're just reaching 45 minutes of this podcast well, fe- felt like five minutes <laughs> I, I need I need to yeah, say exactly. my watch correctly <laughs> <laughs> like usually usually it, it feels like uh, it feels like a lesser time we spend it's always a good conversation that's why we all, we only feel like like five minutes ten minutes that passed by <laughs> I, I don't know I don't know if you have any, anything else to, to, to say no. before we conclude the episode no, uh, first of all uh, thank you for inviting me and for you know no taking worries. the time to, to do this um, I personally think that um, watch podcasts um, should be done more often um, it's you know it's a very big community many many people don't realize that but it's a very very big community and yeah. by sharing this type of information experiences and all that that's very healthy and you know once again we should this more often and you know have, yeah, have I think fun. I will, we'll certainly do yeah and just have yeah, exactly. I think I think we can actually hope for some more episodes with with Shudio. I think yeah, like like we like like we said before, we actually have more topics to discuss about, and there's always a ton of topics yeah. we could always spend the entire day speaking about. And I just want to actually thank you for accepting oh, no my problem. invitation. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I think I think we, we're going to have more time to do more episodes, and that's that's what I would wish for. And actually, once again, thank you so much. No, and thank you. I just want to drop a message to all the people listening. 
And I just want to say thank you, everyone, for the for the support of listening to the podcast. And I think I, I, I'm always receiving tons of messages about it. Uh, I also want you guys to please hit the like and subscribe and share the the share the podcast. Just hit that button several times if you can. Uh, it helps us a lot with the podcast. It helps us a lot with the algorithm. And I just hope everything is okay with you guys. And see you guys on the next. Bye. Episode.